Be'ez HaShem Parshas Vayetzei Fascinating insights into this week's Parsha Be'ez HaShem Yisborach And we'll start with the beginning of the Parsha Vayetzei Yaakov Mibe'er Shava Vayelech Chorano Okay, so we know that Yaakov left Be'er Shava and he started his journey to Chorano Fascinating Kliyoka here, which I'm not sure we're going to get to But I'll start with the Beis HaLevi Beis Levi says a very, very interesting Yisrael. As we said, you know, we try to pinpoint and highlight various items in the parasha that mean something to our lives and that we can gain something from. And last week we spoke a little bit about advice of Chinuch. This week we've got a little bit of Shinuch advice, among many other things as well. So the Beis Levi says like this. Says the Beis Levi, there are two reasons why a person goes from A to B. Right? When a person travels, when a person goes somewhere, there are generally two reasons why... He goes from A to B. Number one is to leave A. That's a simple reason. And, um, and the, the other reason is to get to B. There are two different reasons, said the Beis HaLevi. So therefore we have it like this. Listen carefully. His mother, Yaakov's mother, told him to leave because of Esau. There was a problem of being in the close proximity of, of Esau. And therefore we don't need to get influenced by him. And therefore please leave. So the only reason really he was leaving was because his mother told him to leave this place. But on the other hand, he was also told to go and find a wife in the next place. And that's another reason why he was going as well. Says the Beis Alevi, this is the Pshat in the double Loshan in this week's parasha. He's Mekayim, both the Tzivoy, the commandment of his father and his mother. The person says, Vayetze, that was Mekayim, the, 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 the Tzivoy, the command from his mother. Leave the place. Ace of Azir, get out of here. That's reason number one, it says Vayetze. But it also says, Vayelech to tell us that at the end of the day, he was also getting to the next place, which was being Mekayim, his father's instructions to find a Shirach. Now, I want to point out something else, which is also very interesting. You should have your Hamashim open at this stage. Probably a good idea. Yaakov was sent by his mother and his father, basically, to Lovon. We know, famously, Chazal tell us this already, Rashi points it out, Chazal, he didn't go straight there. We know that Yaakov did not go straight to where he was sent to go. What did he do in the meantime? He went to learn in the yeshiva for 14 years. It's an amazing thing. He went to learn. He stopped on the way of a pit stop. A break, a half saka, a little bit of a time out. In a way, stopped to yeshiva for 14 years. And the question is, why now? Now, all of a sudden, now you're told to go somewhere. You're going to find a shidduch. Here I go. I can go to the shidduch market. I can go out with girls. And I can get engaged, get married, start my life. This is wonderful. Why now stop for 14 years to learn Torah? It's an amazing, penetrating question, which I'm sure many people had. And the answer which I heard from my rabbim when I was in yeshiva was as follows, which is a beautiful insight, maybe, maybe tonight in shul, we'll discuss this in Arichas, but the idea basically is, possibly, we all know what happened in last week's parish, we discussed it in length. In last week's parish, Yaakov went to, quote-unquote, steal the brachas of, from his brother Esau by his father Yitzchak. And he had to, and son Madrega lie. He had to, son Madrega, we understood, it wasn't really a lie. He said, Ani, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, he had to do something which wasn't 100% Alpi Yaakov, Titein Emes Yaakov. Yaakov of Vinu was such an Ish Emes. By him, everything was so truthful. Therefore, Yaakov of Vinu felt 
that's doing what he did, even though it was permitted, and his mother told him, you needed the brachas, and he had to get them, and it wasn't really called stealing. But on his madriga, there was some level of lying. I have to go to yeshiva. I have to go back and sit and learn for 14 years to purify myself in order to get back to where I was before. Now, Pasha Peshat was not that way. Pasha Peshat was that Yaakov was preparing to go to Chutzlaretz. You can't just go to Chutzlaretz. People think, oh, get on the plane. You know, but Bochum asks these questions all the time. You know, I have a this, I have a chasna, I have an engagement, I have a football game. You know, there can be all sorts of reasons that people want to go to Chutzlaretz. Here, Yaakov Avin is telling us the Kavaldegi Yisait. You don't just go to Chutzlaretz. You need preparation. And Yaakov Avinu if anybody holds that themselves to be better than Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov Avinu felt he needed 14 years of sitting by Smodekadol in Yeshiva before going to, to Chutzneretz and being mushba by what's going on over there. Now, by the way, just stomach, a simple question. But he lived there. Who lived there? Yaakov. But this is preparation to get there. Now, why didn't Rivka just tell Yitzchak what, what, what Esau's intention was to do to Yaakov? Why the whole business? Why didn't Rivka go into her husband Yitzchak and say, Yitzchak, listen, hey... Asa's going to kill our other son and therefore we better get him out of here. But that's not what happened over here. We all know that's not what happened. Why didn't you say the Rechaim HaKadosh, Rabbi Say points this out in last week's parasha. The Rechaim HaKadosh writes, I've been looking at Menvov in last week's parasha. The Rechaim HaKadosh says, you know what I didn't say? Lashon Horeb. Lashon Horeb. He couldn't say. Aye. So, why tell Yaakov? If it was Lashon Horeb, why did you tell Yaakov? The answer to that was because this was something that was necessary. She had to tell Yaakov in order for him to continue. Okay, let me just continue. Now we've got the famous sugya, look it up, Posuk Yud Aleph. And then we had the start of the dream. Just Agav, why did he only put rocks, seemingly, around his head? What about the rest of his body? So there are many, many answers to this. And one of the answers says the altar of Kelm, a beautiful terrace. And he says it shows that everything is controlled by the Rabbi Shalom. Meaning, of course, a person has to do his Douglas. A person has to try. But he, Yaakov Avinu felt the effort that he had to make was around his head. The rest of his body is up to Rabbi Shalom. Really, everything is up to the Rabbi Shalom. But... I'll do a little bit of shtadlis, and that would be uh, the putting it over my head. Now, th- this is very interesting, okay? Listen carefully. Rashi says, look at the Rashi. Each of the stones, as we know, we all came back from kindergarten, from, pre- from preschool, whatever you call it, and we all came back with coloring books, and all the stones were fighting. Each one wanted to have Yaakov of Inu's head rest upon them. Miyad. Also, the Kodesh Bochu, Evan Achas, the Rabbin Shom made it one stone. According to Rashi, which is a Gemara in Cholin, it started off as many stones, but ended off on one. I don't know if you've got in front of you the Rashbam or the Evan Ezra, where both of them write, the Rashbam is Cholikon Rashi, and it was always one stone, it was never a whole bunch of stones. It was always one stone. The Ebenezer holds that way. The Rashbam holds that way. The Cholikon Rashi. It was not a bunch of stones. It was one stone. What's the Pshat? Savano Samikra says that according to the Pshat of one stone that he placed under his head, which is like the Rashbam and the Ebenezer, ah, the Pasuk says what? Seemingly to prove, like Rashi, there were stones there. It's not true. 
Because apart from the simple Poshim Shah, the Poshim said, Vayikach Even, it was one stone, Vayikach Me Avne Hamokoim, right? It must be, he took more than one stone. According also, right? It doesn't work as well because, you know, they hold and it means it placed the stone under his head. However, there's a proof for many places in Nach. Meresh Yosef doesn't mean under the head, it means around the head. And therefore we also have a riot to Rashi, then it means originally it started off as many, many stones. Now the Posik tells us in Posik base, So we know that we have the dream, that this is what he dreamt. He dreamt there was a ladder, I'll have to say in a moment what that means. And the head of the ladder was up Shemayim, and the Malachim going all over the place. Some Sofer says, last week already as well, that every time a person does a mitzvah, it creates a Malach. And over here, it's teaching us there's a difference between a Malach on Neir Tisrol and a Malach of Chutz Because there's a very big difference in a mitzvah that's done in Neir Tisrol and a mitzvah that's done in Chutz And therefore, that's why Rashi says, the, the same Malachim that were going to Neir Tisrol could not be the same Malachim that were accompanying him to Chutz because they are different Malachim. The Chofetz Chaim sees this as a metaphor for life. Listen carefully. Says the Chofetz Chaim, there's always a ladder. You're either going up or you're going down. That's what life is all about. You're never stagnant. And if you're stagnant, it means you're probably going down. That's the Chavetz Chaim, the dream of life, is that life is a ladder and you're either going up or you're going down. But I want to tell you a fascinating Benish Chai. Unbelievable Benish Chai. The Benish Chai quotes his father. And he says, what's the gematria of Sulam? I don't know what Sulam means. Sulam is a ladder. Samach. Vov, Lamad, Mem, the Gematria is 136. Now, what is the same Gematria as 136? Famously, Momoin, money. Money is also 136. Very interesting. So, therefore, the Benishai's father uses this as Pratt and the Pasuk, meaning, listen carefully, he says Gavaldic. The Sulam, the ladder, was Mutsav Artsa, was resting on the ground, was on the earth. Because people think you're standing on the earth with all your money with all your achievements, all of what you are doing, you don't realize, everything comes from the Rabbi Shalom. Says the Benish Chai on his own. He says, what's the Shaykhist in Sulam and Momoin? You know, it's the same Gematria, 136 is Sulam, Lada, 136 is Momoin, which is money. What's the connection? Listen to what the Benish Chai says. He says, you know why? Because the top rung of the ladder says to the rest of the rungs of the ladder, yeah, we're all the same, but look at me. I'm the top of the world. I'm the best. I'm the top of the ladder. One day what happens, the carpenter comes along and flips the ladder opposite direction. So all of a sudden the top rung becomes the bottom rung. Says the Benish Chai, Sulam is a ladder, also equals Momin. Sometimes a person can have a lot of money and he rests and he trusts his money. The Benish Lolam, the carpenter, Kaviochel of the world, turns around the ladder and all of a sudden you become the bottom of the world. A person has to be very careful to bear that one in mind. Okay, let's move on, Rabbi Isai. Another interesting idea. Posuk Tes Zayin. Bayikatz Yaakov. He woke up, Mishnasek, from his sleep. Bayyemachin Yesha, Shemba Bagam, Hazeva, Nuchel, Loyadati. I want to tell you a very, we can even call it controversial idea, perhaps, in this, in this Posuk over here. What happens? Yaakov Avinu wakes up, he says, What? The Rabbi Shalom was saying there was Kedushi and Incha. What's going on? So maybe it was a dream. How did he know it was a prophecy? 
How did he know? Says the Chanukah Satoria because people only dream about what they thought about during the day. The Gemara Brachas famously in the base says that nobody ever dreams, I don't know about you guys, but nobody ever, when was the last time you dreamt about an elephant walking through the little hole of a, of a little needle? It never happened. You know why? Because you never thought about that during the day. Says the Gemara Brochus, then hey, nobody ever dreamt about that because you dream about what you think about. Therefore, Yaakov Avinu knew, he never knew before that going to see that he was in a holy place. So it doesn't make sense for him to have dreamt it was a Mokham College because he never knew about it before he went to sleep. Must be. It's a prophecy. That's what he says. Let's move on. So what you're saying, what he's saying is that you have to. Keep a cheshman and nefesh of everything you think about. No, not to keep a cheshman and nefesh. What it does mean, the Gemara talks about this by Rikas, is that sometimes what you dream about doesn't necessarily mean it's bad because it could be you heard a news item that of some terrible tragedy and it affected you and you dreamt about it and you're like, <gasps> you wake up like, oh, I had a bad dream about someone dying. What do I do now? No, 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 it's okay. You just, you just thought about it. So therefore, let's take more Brachas over there talking about that. But I want to move on. Rashi says, there's a Modika Rashi, Posik Yudzayim. Long Rashi. Go to, I'm going towards the end of the Rashi. I, I passed the place that my my ovoys, my grandparents, my father passed, and I, they davened and I didn't. His task was to go back. Where to? Where, where's he going to? The answer is Choran. There's a safer called Surivi on the Sakta Schunov on the Klausenberger Rebbe. And he brings down, listen, this is a penetrating thought. He says, when Yaakov said, I passed the place of Kedusha without realizing it, what, what's his problem? What, what's he saying? What's essentially the Possek teaching us? We're told, he was told by his parents, we know Yaakov was told by his parents to go get a, a, a wife. And on the way, he went to learn for 14 years with no choice, and he eventually had to leave to go get the wife to listen to his parents. But if he can pl- pass a place of Kedusha without realizing it, it means that the level of Kedusha that he had while he was learning had obviously gone down. Because he left Yeshiva and he went to the outside world. Yorav Daitele says Rashi. He wanted to go back to Yeshiva because if I can now reach a place of so much Kedusha and yet I don't feel it, it doesn't mean anything to me, I have to go back to Yeshiva. Because obviously my level has gone down. Until he had a dream. And the dream showed him a ladder that was on the ground and in Shemayim, teaching him, doesn't work that way. Life doesn't always mean you're sitting in the Dalit Coast or a base of Edrush. Life isn't always about sitting in the yeshiva, sort of going and living in that bubble. Sometimes you do have to go out there. Sometimes you do have to, obviously, with the Das of Arav and his person's Rebbe, has to understand when it's the time to leave. But that's what the Torah is telling him. No, no, it's okay, you don't have to run back to yeshiva. Because the yeshiva is meant to teach you how to deal with life when you leave yeshiva. With Desna by the Yerushchoyduk, and he holds not that way. He holds that uh, that um, he holds a different malach over here. But the idea basically is, and this is the aside for us. We're sitting in yeshiva. We're learning. Could be the day will come. Could be that we'll have to leave the Dalit coast over the base of Medrash and go to a different place of the outside world. We have what we have to learn is what, how to deal with it while we're here, so that when we do leave, we're able to cope with all the outside influences that life challenges us and life offers us. Okay, Rabbi Say. Another Gavaldi Gavaldi Giyosite. We know the Possek says in, in the Perich of Tess, Possek Zayin, still the day, what's going on? It's not the time to gather in all the, all the flock. He's going, what? basically over here, what seems to be 
is Yaakov is coming along and you know giving a whole detail over here with his whole dialogue with the shepherds. There's a modigus Svasemis. The Svasemis asks, why was Yaakov so critical of these shepherds? He was accusing them of sitting around doing nothing. I don't understand. You don't see, it's not clear to you at the end of the day that there's a stone covering the well. And this stone is so huge that's covering the well. I need a lot of people to move it and get rid of it. You know, and if he's so critical of them for not attempting to move it, had, maybe, maybe they tried. I don't know. Maybe they all tried to move the stone off the well and didn't manage. Says the Sfasemah says, The Sfasemah says, True. Even if they had made an unsuccessful attempt to actually remove the stone, they had no excuse for standing around doing nothing. This is what Yaakov Avinu is telling them. You should have tried again. So this was Emma, so many times in our lives, you know, we, uh, so many times in our lives, we, we try to do things, whether it's in Ruchnius, whether it's in Gashmius, never give up. We spoke about this by the Be'eris, by the Wells, never give up. Whenever you try to do something, don't stand around and say, well, I tried, it didn't go, let me, you know, I'll just figure it out. Yaakov Avinu says this was Emma, in this parasha, is teaching you a site. A person should never give up. Keep on trying because there's always more that you can accomplish. There's always more that you can do. And that's a very, very big yesterday as well. Okay, let's move on to some other Gavaldi Yosaitas over here as well. There's some real, real, real nice, nice inyanim over here. So we're going to go to Perachov Tess. Perachov Tess, Pasuk Chof Gimel. Rashi quotes the Gemara. Rashi over here quotes the Gemara and says that Rachel, as we know, knew her father was a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a sly trickster sort of guy, and he already suspected that her father, Lavan, would, 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 you know, would basically uh, substitute her for Leah when it came to the wedding. So, therefore, what does she do? She went along and she gave Yaakov the secret sign that they both made. So this way, the chuppah, there would be no embarrassment whatsoever. And that was a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous thing that she did. There's a medrash in the Hakdoma to Eicha Rabba. And the medrash tells us at the Zman of the Churban Beis Hamedosh. All based on this Rashi, this week's parasha. There's um, at the time of the Churban Beis Hamedosh. Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Moshe, Va'aren. All came pleading the Rabbi Nishram, don't do it! Don't destroy the base of Migdash, please! Keep the base of Migdash! They tried all the schusim of Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Moshe, and Aaron. They tried to do everything. They mummish uh, everything they had in their lives, everything they accomplished, everything they gave up. The Rabbi Nishram said, no. The just goes through one by one until Rachel came along. And Rachel said to the Rabbi Nishram, you know how much Yaakov loved me. And he worked with my father for seven whole years just to be married to me. But because I was worried about embarrassment for my sister and I knew that my father was a little bit of a suspicious guy, I made sure that my sister would not be embarrassed. She wouldn't be disgraced. For that schos, I want you to keep the base amigdash. And the Rabbi Nishan responded and said, you're right. For this, for only because of your schos. Yes, I have to destroy the base amigdash now. There's no choice right now. But because of your schos, says the Medrash, I will return Klal Yisrael to Eretz Yisrael and eventually they'll get that Beis HaMikdash back. Which is a, a, such a, a, an unbelievable story, such an amazing thing to understand and to realize that basically what the Torah is telling us today and what Chazal is explaining in this week's parasha is that the, the, the schus of Ravom, Yitzchak and Yaakov was so great, so chosh, so unbelievable. But that wasn't enough to stop the Rabbani Shalom and to prevent Klal Yisrael from ever coming back to Eretz Yisrael. It was only and simply the schus 
of Rochel not making sure that her sister wasn't embarrassed by the fact of her father tricking the whole thing. Now there's another Gavadi you said, a little bit of Shidduch information over here that I want to point out as well. That, you know, it's, it's also very, very interesting. The Lashon of Pasuk, I'm just going to go to Pasuk back now, Pasuk Chof. He loved her so much, it was seven years, but it was, it was almost, it was like a couple of days. It was nothing. Why is the Torah telling us this? What, what, what's the meaning? And we always say that the Torah tells us things that mean something to us, that's a lesson to us. says so many times. So the Moral Diskin explains with the Modcha and Ksubas. With the Modcha, and people think this is, you know, like a nowadays information, but the Modcha and Ksubas already says this. He warns engaged couples that they shouldn't spend too much time with each other before the Hasana. And I, I know this from a personal level as well, from the many, you know, Bacham that I've dealt with who got engaged, and, you know, oh, I want to spend so much time together, and I'm allowed, and no one cares, everyone knows. The Modcha says an engaged couple should not spend too much time with each other before the Hasana. You know why? Because they're going to get too familiar with each other. And if they get too familiar with each other, they're going to find faults in each other, and they're going to dislike each other. And all of a sudden, you know, if they were to be married, all right, we'll work on it. But if we're only engaged, and I find out these things, ooh, I have to be careful, I can't do it. And therefore, if you spend a little bit of time, the love still remains intact. The Torah is telling us exactly that is said over here. It's beautiful. The Torah is telling us, even though Yaakov spent seven years in Loban's house, the love that he had for Rachel did not decrease. And those long years were like a few days. Which means, according to the mantra, he never found out anything bad about her. His love remained intact. Because Rachel was so pure that she had no faults. And therefore, that's why it was like a few days. That what would be for us a few weeks or a few months. To Yaakov Avinu, it was a few days. And that was the assignment of death. Okay, Rabbi, so I think that's pretty much... Uh, there's a lot more, obviously, that we could theoretically do. But that's what I want to cover this year's parasha. Have a wonderful and enlightening Shabbos.